Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today is Monday, April 15th, 2019. My name is Mark Surianis. Welcome to Taekwondo Life Magazine Live, the official podcast for Taekwondo Life Magazine. I am Mark Surianis. I am your host, the editor-in-chief of Taekwondo Life Magazine, and a third Don Black Belt. You are listening to the Australian National Anthem, because today I am joined by Erica Stevens, accredited sports dietitian, who has come to us from Australia for this podcast for a great interview. Um, the information that that uh, Erica Stevens provides is helpful for athletes trying to make weight, Taekwondo competitors, and people for just general sports nutrition. I encourage you to, or general dietary nutrition for your health. Um, Erica Stevens was a member of the Australian Taekwondo team from 2000 to 2004. She uh, then earned a Bachelor of Applied Science and a Master of Nutrition and Dietetics and the International Olympic Committee Diploma in Sports Nutrition. She works with athletes in and out of Taekwondo in Australia. Uh, She has great stories to tell and great information. Uh, She wrote an article for us in 2017, um, and I I encourage anyone to go back and read that. But more importantly, she has an e-book, and the e-book is called Nutrition for Taekwondo. Uh, It is filled with information uh, similar to what you're going to get in the next 30 minutes and involves uh, a real practical but a scientifically based practical approach specific to taekwondo and elite athletes on nutrition and hydration on how to make weight on the proper way to deal with injury management on sports supplements and you can find more information about erica stevens uh, and about this ebook at Nutrition for Taekwondo, spelled out nutritionfortaekwondo.com. We'll have a link uh, on the show notes for this show. So, that being said, sit back, relax, and enjoy Erica Stevens. Okay, so we are here today. I'm very happy to announce with Erica Stevens, accredited sports dietitian and the author of Nutrition for Taekwondo. She's coming to me via FaceTime, I would say satellite, but it's it's probably satellite, uh, from Australia. So I would like to introduce her. She's going to tell you a little bit about herself, and then I'll ask her a couple of questions. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, so I'm here in Canberra, Australia. Uh, I work as a sports dietitian um, privately and also for a couple of sports uh, here in Canberra, so boxing and um, I've just come on board with cricket and I see a number of athletes across all sports and one of my biggest passions is seeing athletes in combat sports and obviously in particular taekwondo um, because of my background in the sports. So I did it for a number of years and did get to represent Australia uh, as a junior and as a senior because of my love for the sport and my love for sports nutrition. That's great. So I guess we could start with your background in Taekwondo. So when did you start in Taekwondo and how did you end up starting in Taekwondo? What were the reasons and, and what type of training did you do? Yes. Yep. 
so in Canberra in Australia. So I started when I was about 13 years old uh, and I did it as part of a program that we had at school where we needed to do a skill. And I thought, well, Taekwondo or martial arts, um, you know, is a good skill. So that's basically why I started it um, and then just really loved it. It took over all the other sports I was doing. So I gave up everything else and just focused on uh, Taekwondo. Um, and yeah, just loved it. Great sport. <laughs> so, so tell me, um, because every country's got a little bit of a different um, physical education system, is Taekwondo offered through the uh schools where you were, public or private, or is it something that you did as a supplement to your um, normal education? Yeah, no, so it was outside of school. So the, the program that was running at school was something that encouraged people to be involved in sport and involved in a skill and involved in a community service. So I picked Taekwondo to do as the skill, but it was something I went to a club outside of school to, to participate in. So we just have clubs here in um Australia and then we do have a high obviously in the sport you might actually go to Melbourne to to participate in a more elite program that's great so your your training went from uh, something that you you did to as part of a school project as part of uh, something to for physical fitness and then became your your passion so tell me about how that um, transformed into more formal competition and and a little bit about your training resume your fighting resume or your, your competing resume. I apologize. Uh, so I had a really great coach in Canberra and he still has the same club and still still trains people. Uh, and he was a, or well, he is a very motivating, sort of charismatic guy. And he, when I started with a friend, he said, you know, you, you girls could be, could be quite good if you put your mind to it. Um, so I think there was a lot of support there which encouraged me and gave me a lot of motivation to to train and to train hard and eventually I think within a couple of years we were training um, on most days twice a day uh, and on the weekends one session on the weekend so it ended up being sort of uh, 11 sessions a week or something like that Um, and yeah that's started competing for selections I was probably about 16 when I first went for a junior selection um, competition which I won my first one and got to go to Ireland for the junior world championships um, where I wasn't successful (laughs) that was my first my first go overseas Um, and then I went to the junior Asian championships so Australia used to be in the Asia region it's now Oceania so we don't go through um, the Asia pathway anymore um, and then I went for my first senior. I made the senior world championship team, but I broke my hand in Korea a couple of weeks before that, so I didn't end up competing in the world championships. Um, and I went to the senior Asian championships as well and the World University Games, which was in Korea, which was cool. Um, yeah, that was all my rep, all my rep stuff. And just after the Olympic selections for 2004, where I came second, I actually stopped the sport soon after that. That's a very impressive resume, and and it's it's amazing always how I hear how people got opportunities to see parts of the world that they wouldn't have otherwise gotten to see and be exposed to people from the world of Taekwondo. Uh, yeah. So tell me about how then you, the other part of your your life before we we marry those two. Tell me about uh, being an accredited sports dietitian and how that came to be and and what that means because people may not fully understand what that means. To a degree at university. Uh, which was a 
Bachelor of Applied Science, uh, which is sort of the beginning of being able to study nutrition in more depth. Um, I think I probably became fascinated by nutrition when my coach recommended I read a book about nutrition for sport. Uh, And after I read that, I thought, well, this is a really interesting topic. And when I decided that that was the only thing I was interested in and that I would go and study that at university. Um, And because Taekwondo is a weight category sport, there are a lot lot of complications with weight and with nutrition of, of Taekwondo athletes. And because of my experience in the sport and, and knowing what it was like to make weight and what it was like to, I guess, be so focused on weight, I really wanted to be able to help athletes in the future um, manage that in the best way possible. And with the support of, of, of it is, is a registered dietitian, it's just a different term. Uh, and then you specialise in sport by doing uh, sport and a course accredited sports dietitian so it's a it's a relatively long journey that for me was seven years to to do that um yeah so journey (laughs) that's great so once you once you you finished that journey and you became uh an accredited sports dietitian uh tell me uh what was the next step or did this became your your career and and how when did nutrition for taekwondo uh come about and how did that come about and and how do you work with uh, taekwondo athletes today yeah so i uh a couple of years after i finished my master's degree i went and did the international olympic committee diploma in sports nutrition and that in australia that's not something you have to do in order to practice as a sports dietitian um but it is a world-renowned program obviously with the ioc tag on it And as part of that, so I did that in 2015, 2016 while I was working as a dietitian. And as part of that, we had to do a big program. I picked Taekwondo, obviously, and went searching through all the literature um, that was related to to nutrition for Taekwondo and obviously didn't find much. Um, But I put together the the project and submitted it and and did quite well with it. And then I thought it was quite a science-y document, but I thought, how could I turn this into something that's a little bit more practical for um, the everyday person? and for athletes to be able to read them some guidance with their nutrition. And it's based on um, science, not just me, you know, some random person giving their opinion on what people should eat. So I really wanted something like that to be available and available online. A lot of people always ask for it in hard copy, but if I'd done it in hard copy, it would be really expensive to ship it around the world. So I just made it um, an e-book so it would be available to, to everyone in the world. That's great. And uh, could you let us know what... Uh how people can find that uh, online. So you, you said it's an ebook, and and of course I've seen it, and we've we've uh, had a submission from you for the print and digital magazine. But tell the, tell our readers where they can um, find your your ebook, uh, Nutrition for Taekwondo. Yeah, so I I just uh, created a website with the domain nutritionfortaekwondo.com. So that's where it is, and I also have an Instagram which is at nutritionfortaekwondo. So. Um, the link is on the Instagram, or you can just go straight to the website. Okay, that's great. And do you work with uh, or consult with uh, athletes only in Australia, or do you consult with them outside of Australia? Um, uh, what, what, what's the range with which you currently? I know you, you just you just gave us a number of sports that you're working with. Um, is that all local in, in Australia? Is that for international competition? I know I'm throwing a lot of questions, but I'm very curious. So, yeah. 
in terms of Taekwondo, um, uh, well, in terms of athletes in general, I only work with people within Australia. Uh, and the complication with working with anyone from any other country is you need insurance in each country that athletes live. So if I wanted to work worldwide, that would be a lot of insurance that I'd need to work out how to get, and it would make life very expensive. So um, I just do Australian athletes at the moment in Canberra, based in Canberra, and then I do have uh, one athlete that I'm uh, working with at the moment um, who lives in Sydney. So... Uh, and she's she's quite high up uh, in the world of Australian Taekwondo. So I can work with people from different states, uh, but at the moment to work with people overseas is a bit of a challenge. Um, in terms of boxing, so I came on board with the Australian Institute of Sports program towards the end of last year, uh, consulting to them. So basically I can see them when they're in camp. They're from all over Australia, but they come to the AIS um, for couple of weeks quite regularly throughout the year um, to prepare for certain competitions and then the cricket that I've just come on board with is Canberra based so uh, it's the Canberra women's team or the ACT so Canberra is a territory within Australia we have states and territories Um, so yeah working with uh, the Canberra women's this coming season. Exciting have you ever been to the United States? I have. I actually lived there when I was very young. Uh, we lived near Washington, D.C. My dad was in the Army, so we lived in America for three years. So I love it. <laughs> That's great. There's a special relationship between the people of Australia and the people of the United States. That's about yeah. three and a half to four hours south of where um, we are, where, where we're based here. So it's a beautiful part of the, especially this time of year, it's a beautiful part of the, beautiful part of the country. So tell yeah. me um, a few um, while I have you, you uh, for this this great interview, which has been terrific, uh, give me a few a few tips. I know you're, as you said, you, a lot of what you do is is scientific and athletic, um, and I'm sure your programs are um, quite extensive. But uh, a few tips for our, um, our our listeners who are who are largely taekwondo athletes. So some 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 a few pointers that they could. Uh, Take take right away from from this conversation something that they could implement right away in their in their regimen as they as they train for uh, competition and and just to improve their health and their life. Yeah, I think it's something I see a lot of the time is um, athletes and particularly uh, combat sport athletes, and the rest of the time sort of let it go a little bit. And I think one of the big tips I can always give is that your day-to-day nutrition and your training nutrition um, is just as important, if not more important, than what you're doing to prepare for a competition because we train most of the time. We compete very little of the time. So focusing on our day-to-day nutrition and getting all the nutrients in day-to-day is a really important focus for any athlete. Um, second to that, I would say that hydration is a big, a big thing particularly in in weight-making sports like taekwondo, where people will be constantly restricting their fluid intake in order to artificially keep their weight down for competition. Um, And it is completely unnecessary because um, weight change through changing your fluid intake is is very acute and very short-term. So you can actually stay hydrated. And if you need to restrict slightly, and this obviously I don't recommend this broadly speaking, I'd have to know athletes, um, but if you restricted it a bit on, on weigh-in day, 
you don't need to be doing that three weeks before a weigh-in day. And hydration plays a big role in performance. So if you're chronically dehydrated all the time and not putting in enough fluid all the time, your training will suffer. Um, so hydration is big, another big one for me. Um, the biggest nutrition focus that we all tend to do really, really badly is vegetable intake. And it's a really boring topic <laughs> to talk about, but particularly in Australia, and I think it would be really similar in the States, um, I think there's about 4% of Australians that eat the recommended serves of vegetables. I would agree, probably maybe less here. Less, yeah, maybe 3%, 2%. Um, so the recommendation, depending on male or female, five or six serves a day, and that's about five or six cups of salad or two or three cups or two and a half, three cups of um, cooked vegetables, one or the other, or a combination of them. And while that's not a very interesting or, you know, fun topic, it's probably the biggest thing that's lacking in terms of, of general health. And for athletes, you know, they need the, the antioxidants from, from those foods. It's a big, a big thing for athletes. So it's not just about general health, but also about performance. That's great. Those are really, I think, and in what I've observed from from just athletes in general, I think that's pretty good tips. Let me ask you about the hydration issue. Um, when we talk about hydration, um, I hear just generally that people will talk about different uh, things that are they do, whether it's be water. Do you have a particular thought on whether or not water or coconut water or Gatorade or anything in particular is um, the right way to go or is it a combination of those things or does it not really matter it's just about um, fluid intake in general yeah I think the the sports drink is a common question of whether people actually really need to be having that and and whether also coconut water is more or is better than than plain water I do have a little section in the book about sports drink and when is best to use that but generally speaking, it's not something you need when you have short training sessions or sessions that aren't particularly intense. What you eat before training, your snack before training, is more than adequate. Um, you don't need to be downing Gatorade during your session in order to get through the session. It's a very practical thing for athletes to use at half time and in a prolonged game, like soccer, for example, where they only have one opportunity to, to drink or to take on some carbohydrates. Um, so it's, and it's 90 minutes long, high intensity because it's a game. So that makes sense where a sports drink might be useful for, for an athlete. But in everyday day-to-day Taekwondo training, I don't see, I don't see a need for it. Um, and also, if you're eating well on competition day, it's also not an essential item. Athletes might choose to use it as part of their carbohydrate intake if they don't feel like they can eat very much on competition day. Um, but it's certainly not you know, a great advantage over using water in terms of hydration. That's great. That's great. I appreciate that. What about the um, the night before, right? There's always this notion of, for any type of a combat sport, I know boxers in particular, in terms of a meal, uh, should it be uh, a normal meal? Should it be a meal that's higher in one particular type of food? Should they undereat, overeat? Any particular recommendations for you know, people that are going to these competitions that may be single elimination and may be very long days or, or may simply just be one or one or two matches yeah well i guess what's great about taekwondo is usually you do have a day before weigh-in so you can finish your weigh-in in the afternoon and, and that dinner meal be relatively up to you 
although obviously at the higher level they've got the 5% rule now, so you can't sort of just do whatever the whatever you want. You do have to keep an eye on, on what happens to your weight for the next morning. Um, but generally speaking, because it's the day before and you, we want to have lasting energy over the subsequent day, then I would be looking at um, a good quality carbohydrate in that dinner and focusing the meal around the carbohydrate. So whether that's, um, you know, a pasta or a brown rice or quinoa or couscous or grainy bread, grainy wraps, um, that would be, I think, the priority of that meal and a little bit of protein and, and salad and vegetables. So still a balanced meal. Uh, but maybe just a little bit more focus on the carbohydrates. So the athletes waking up in the morning with, you know, as much sort of carbohydrate on board in their muscles as, as possible, but without overdoing it because Taekwondo athletes, it's it's a dynamic sport. You don't want to feel bogged down and full in the stomach. And you also want to have a good sleep that night. So if you eat seven bowls of parsley, you're probably not going to have very restful sleep. Um, so a relatively normal meal, but a little bit more focus on the carb content of the meal uh, and not overdoing it in terms of um, quantity of food so you wake up and feel pretty good the next day. That's great. So let me ask you in terms of listening to your um, dialogue, you're, 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 you're using certain terms to refer to Taekwondo and dynamic. So for you, would these types of recommendations be different from sport to sport or athlete to athlete or male to female or would they be are these general recommendations i know you're you're talking about well you know one of it is combat and maybe one is uh, soccer which might be a, a, a longer term but would the general recommendations be the same and and somewhat tailored or are they going to be very different from athlete to athlete and sport to sport yeah when you speak generally about nutrition for sport or nutrition for athletes some of the themes are very similar but when you break down a sport into its individual nature and individual characteristics your recommendations become highly personalized to the sport so it can be difficult I guess to speak generally about nutrition for athletes Um, but I guess one of the key things when you talk about carbohydrate is that when we do start exercising beyond low intensity, we are predominantly burning carbohydrate in the muscle as a fuel. So that is always potentially going to be a limiting factor in performance if someone is under-consuming carbohydrate or not optimising their carbohydrate intake for sport. And while Taekwondo is short duration in terms of fights are you know, a couple of minutes as com- compared to a soccer game being 90 minutes, uh, it is explosive, and we do access carbohydrate from our muscle much quicker and more effectively than we access any other form of energy from the body, like body fat, for example, or using fat as a fuel. We're much less effective at using that, and if you're asking your your leg to move as fast as you can, you're, you're probably in part relying uh, a fair bit on, on the carbohydrate in the muscle. That's great. That's that's great. I think in this short period of time, you've probably provided our listeners with more significant, practical, and, and useful information than they probably um, could receive in 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 literally of years and years of training. Because I think you may agree that in most of the training regimens, while technique is is emphasized, perhaps your area, the area that you're focusing on, is not necessarily. Uh, second nature in the dojangs, even among the, the the high level athletes. Yes, I agree, and and I'd love for it to be 
to be more accepted and, and more sought after this, this part of, of Taekwondo, the nutrition aspect of Taekwondo. And it's, it's also a safety concern for me as well that in weight category sports, we don't have accredited sports dietitians readily available for these athletes. And I think that that should be mandatory. And I don't know how to get to that point, <laughs> but that's something I'm working on. That's great. That's great. Well, I, I hope you'll keep us informed. Is there anything in in conclusion that you want to um, leave our, our listeners with? Uh, I would say that if you are unsure about your needs, uh, then seeking out seeking out a sports dietitian um, will be your best bet in terms of getting highly personalized information about nutrition for you, for your weight division, um, and for the sport of Taekwondo specifically. That's great. As, as the entire interview has been, it's been great. And we are joined today by Erica Stevens, accredited sports dietitian, author of Nutrition for Taekwondo, and former Taekwondo practitioner, coming to us from Australia. So we really can't thank you enough for spending the time with us. I encourage everyone to look for your article in our magazine, and I encourage everyone to visit your website, which in our closing notes and on when we post this uh, episode, we'll provide all that information. But it's quite obvious that you are an expert in your field and that you are a great benefit to the athletes that you um, work with. So I want to thank you for taking this time today to, to do this with us. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.